The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In working with the challenges that come up in meditation, our first approach is to just see if we can find a way to allow those challenges and observe and learn from them. And yet sometimes that simple settling back and observing is not so available with particularly challenging states. And so learning some tools around that is an important piece of this practice. Learning when it's necessary to engage with some of our tools. I've talked about the the tool of setting it aside and putting attention elsewhere. This is a key one if we're being swamped by uh, a mind state to learn when to set it aside and ways to set it aside. I found it's helpful for myself to have some area of experience that's kind of a reliable go-to place. For some, that might be the breath. Um, Although for myself, I found that using the breath when there's a lot of, if it's an emotionally charged state, then often the breath is actually involved in that emotionally charged state. And if we turn our attention to the breath when we're in a state of anger or rage or um, something that's a strong state, we may find that turning the, to the breath there actually kind of hooks us back into the difficult state of mind. And so I found it helpful to have maybe a couple of different grounding experiences for which to use as a... Uh, something to stabilize the mind with when there's a, something difficult happening. So the breath may be one, but also helpful perhaps to have another um, that's kind of outside of the uh, kind of core area of the body where emotions are usually felt in this area. So hands, putting our attention in hands or contact with chair or feet on the ground, something simple, simple and neutral. Or the experience of hearing, if that's available for you. And there are times where there's a kind of a middle ground around difficult states. You know, that we um, recognize, oh, there's this familiar pattern happening. And it doesn't seem that I'm swamped by it. But it's not going away either. And so one of the things to remind ourselves about is that we're not observing things in particular difficult states, in order to make them to go away, but we are observing them in order to learn how they work. And so that simple reminder can be helpful to help us be able to allow something difficult to be able to observe it, to be able to get familiar with it. There's a couple more tools in there um, that might be helpful. One is that if it's a particularly persistent state, something that comes back a lot, something that you find happening regularly in your experience. Very helpful to recognize when it's not there. So consciously taking in the fact that it's not always present, this thing that seems so pervasive, that seems so everywhere. It's actually not always there. And so opening to that, ah, sometimes it's not there. Acknowledging that. When it is present, when it is happening, 
than a kind of acknowledging two states around it. Sometimes we can just have it be there and have the allowing attitude. It's like, oh, yep, there's frustration and it's okay. I can be with that. But sometimes there's frustration and it is not okay. We're caught by the frustration in some fashion. We're resisting it. We want to figure out how to get rid of it or we want to figure out you know, how to get the thing that we want, that we're frustrated about. And so we're engaged in some pattern along with the, the difficult state. If we find that we're caught by, the frust- caught by that difficult state, sometimes simply acknowledging oh, there's that difficult state. I'm frustrated and caught by it. The simple acknowledgement of that, ah, there's frustration and I'm caught. We, We don't have to get more specific than that even. We don't even have to know how we're caught. We can just tell the difference between, oh yeah, it's frust- there's frustration arising, I'm okay with that. And there's frustration arising and it's not okay. We're caught. So, ah, there's frustration and I'm caught. Sometimes we can be okay with knowing that difficult state and that we're caught by it. It's kind of like the second layer of attitude around a difficult state. And another tool, this is the last one I'll mention before opening it up to um, some questions, is that sometimes when we have something difficult happening, we get into a kind of a, a zeroed-in mode on it. It's like it becomes what is present in our experience. We're frustrated or we're angry or we're um, uh, wanting something. And it's, it, when we try to be aware of it, it's like the whole world collapses down to that frustration or that anger or that annoyance or whatever it is. The whole world collapses down to that. Sometimes it can be helpful to consciously remember there are thousands of other things happening in the present moment besides this frustration. Right. There's seeing happening. There's hearing happening. There are other body sensations happening. Oh, look, there are body sensations associated with frustration happening. Oh, and there's seeing and there's hearing. Kind of creating a bigger container so that that kind of habit of narrowing is countered by a broader uh, approach. And so that's kind of the settling back again, receiving what's happening, but maybe consciously having to expand the field of what we're paying attention to because the mind has kind of collapsed onto this one thing. So questions about the walking, about the instructions, yeah. So um, in silent retreats, often there's also an instruction to avoid eye contact. But if I'm out going for a walk, I usually do make eye contact, or at least look people in the face and smile at them. And so I was wondering if you could say something about eye contact in the context of this practice. Yeah, it's great, actually. You notice, you know, again, we're not shutting anything out. We're practicing awareness while making eye contact. We're practicing awareness while smiling at somebody. How does that land? At one point, I was doing a lot of um, walking in, you know, just around my neighborhood and practicing mindfulness at that that time. And I would 
began to recognize I saw people, you know, through the day, you know, saw people that I'd seen before and would smile at them. And, and I began to notice that with the smile and that eye contact, whew, there was some delight, there was some happiness. What a, what a, what a great thing to feel delight and happiness while I'm taking a walk. At one point I even timed it. Because it seemed to last for a while, you know. It was like 40 seconds. 40 seconds of happiness for a smile. And then it would fade, you know, it would kind of fade. And and then, then I'd just be present knowing what's going on. So notice, as you make eye contact, you know, if there is a smile, how does that land? When you see somebody, you know, see somebody unfamiliar, is there a little, whoop, a little be on guard, somebody I don't know. When you see somebody familiar, is there a, oh, there's a relaxing. Just see how the, the whole system works. You know, there's this um, idea sometimes, again, with the way that we may have habitually practiced mindfulness of just knowing one thing at a time. This practice of being more open and receptive, there's so much that's available to be known at the same time. So we can, we can notice that we're seeing somebody and notice that little tightening and notice some thoughts around it or notice, oh, there's somebody I know. Oh, I wonder how they are. Oh, and a feeling of, of delight and joy around them. So there can be seeing and hearing and feeling and knowing all of that at the same time. So the, the um, yeah, practice awareness while making eye contact. How does it land? What do you notice? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking that. This is an observation uh, just had in this past session now. Um, I've been drowsy all morning and uh, nodding off frequently. And um, when I finally started to include the drowsiness in that general awareness, uh, I found I nodded off much less frequently. Uh, the big challenge was to still keep the wide awareness and not make it more like focusing on the breath or something like that. Yeah. yeah well, and, and, you know, you don't, you don't have to stop if the mind naturally wants to focus on the breath in that state. You don't have to stop it. But just know, oh, that's what the mind wants to pay attention to right now. So, you know, it, it, can, be a, it can be a kind of a fluid thing going from the wide awareness to the more focused awareness. I, I talked before you went on a walk, on the walk about noticing the difference between seeing and looking and hearing and listening. There's kind of a similar quality in our awareness in terms of receiving and directing the attention. Both will happen. But just know when one is happening, is, oh, directing the attention. The mind is kind of moving towards something or versus kind of being more receptive. So that's a, that's a great observation, particularly around the recognizing that when you actually included the sleepiness, it was actually easier to not be falling asleep. So much of our... Um, uh, I think that you know, the, the resistance to sleepiness, first of all, it makes it unpleasant. And then we resist it even more. But the, um, um, when we can include it, 
it's just, it's just something else that's happening. And that's beginning to see that the awareness can take in that more diffuse kind of experience. Did you experience it more as a diffuse thing, the sleepiness? Yeah, yeah, and so that's that kind of that nebula, you know, looking at the Milky Way. And you can look at the Milky Way and also see that there are stars in there. So, you know, it's like getting familiar with the ability to be aware of those diffuse experiences can create the conditions for us to be more present. Yeah, thank you. And we should stop for lunch. So um, if a few of you who know where the tables are,